This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. As we get older, you'll notice that uh, we start to mature and those, those outside hurts kind of go down, at least the ones we, that we were intentional about. Inside hurts, man, that, that keeps on going. And that can be, and, and it's no matter what age you are, it is, it's harder to get past those. That's the rejections, the criticism, the slights, the, 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 the pain, the, the divorces, the, the breakups. All, all of these things can, can take a toll, and they can be inside hurt. Good news is, God did not leave us without help. That there, are, there is help in the middle of inside hurts. In fact, Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. And so there is healing and there's help available. We're going to talk about that this morning. Now listen, when people are dealing with hurts, I, I've, I've got three ways that people deal with hurts. They're not, that's not an exhaustive list. It's a list. It's just one of them. Um, first one is some people just ignore it. Act like it never happened. When our World War II vets and Korean vets and Vietnam vets came back, very few people asked them what they dealt with. And oftentimes you'll find that uh, I've got a brother-in-law who's a Vietnam vet. He never talked about it. And no one asked him. And yet they saw some really difficult things. And so there's, there's the, the idea of ignoring it. Uh, I don't know that that works all the time. Sometimes it comes out in other ways. Then there's the, what I call the tough it out. That's where you just grit and bear it. You're in pain, but you're just, you know, just going to tough it out. You're going to cowboy up. And when the tough get going, you're going to, you know, the going, you know, going gets tough, tough get going, rub some dirt in it. You're just going to, you know, you're going you're gonna to get strong in that, and you're going to, push your way through. Two boys were, two good old boys were down on some money, needed to make some money, so they went to the wealthy part of town, started knocking on doors, asked if they could do odd jobs. They knocked on one beautiful big home. Lady came out, they asked her if they could do any odd jobs for money. She said, you know what? She said, I'm having a big party tonight. We're going to do a bonfire. If you would chop some wood for me, I'll give you a hundred bucks. So they were glad to do it. Went around, started chopping wood. She looked out about an hour later, and one of those guys is, he's jumping all through the backyard. He's jumping, he's hopping, he's turning flips, he's rolling over. She was just so amused. She came out, she said, she should come in here. She said, that is so wonderful. She asked his buddy, she said, do you think that he would come back and do that tonight for 100 bucks? And uh, his, his good old boyfriend said, I don't know, I'll ask him. He said, hey, Billy Ray. Lady wants to know if you'll come back and chop off another toe tonight for a hundred bucks. <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta tough it out. But here's the, here's, here's the last one, is, is what I call talk it out. And, and this is where you're able to talk through some of these things. And maybe it's a counselor or a pastor or a friend, somebody that you can talk through these things with. And, and that can be very helpful. On the, on the flip side is if, if you keep talking about over and over and over again not necessarily going to help get you there. But if you're a believer, those of us have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, you know what the good news is? That's not just heaven when we die. That's a living relationship that we have now. And we can learn to look to the Lord. And actually learning to look to him, you're going to find he has a higher level, a very effective level of helping us when we deal with hurting things. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. Jesus said, I heal the brokenhearted. So he understands what it's like to hurt on the inside, the hurts, the pains, all, of, all that we deal with. And we can trust him to not just, not, not just help us get through it, but to heal us and to cause restoration. The psalmist said in, in Psalms 23:3, he restores my soul. A man was talking about a, a horrible day he was having. He was cooking dinner. His first grader, Timothy, was sitting there at the table. His 
his little toddler daughter was sitting there at the table also, and they were cranky and causing problems. So he's trying to cook dinner and get them happy, so he gives them hot chocolate, thought it'd make them happy. Well, the, Timothy takes the marshmallows out of his hot chocolate and starts throwing them at his sister. His sister gets upset, and she reaches out, spills her hot chocolate all over her. So now she's crying. So she's crying, and the, 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 door, the doorbell's ringing, and he said, unfortunately, he answered it. And then the phone rang, and he's answering that. So he's going to the door. He's got his phone in his ear. He's answering, trying to talk to somebody. He's got this crying, screaming little girl. And he goes back in. And he screams at his son, Timothy. Now everybody's crying. He said, it's just horrible. He's trying to, you know, supper's about to burn. He, he finally, he said, you know what? He said, I am not comfortable with where I could go with this. I'm going to put myself in timeout. And so he did put himself in timeout and shut the door. He said he's in there for about 10 minutes, just kind of stewing and simmering. But underneath the door comes a piece of yellow construction paper. And on that is written in a very unsteady first grader hand, to dad from Timothy, I still love you even when you're angry. And he realized, he said, that, that just it melted him. And it caused, it, it caused help to come. I thought, you know, if a, if a first grader's words can do that, how much more can the words of our Savior heal the hurting places in us. There's a great story in the Bible about a lady who is, who is hurting, and uh, she's in a, in a very difficult situation. She, there's, she's married uh, to a man named El Elkanah, uh, Elkanah, I'm sorry, Elkanah, and she's not the only one married to him. He actually has two wives. That's an ancient practice that fortunately has gone far, far away. And because um, that just sounds like a horrible situation. You know, you got two wives together and they didn't like each other. And every year they would go up to Shiloh. That was the place they would go to worship and almost like a, a vacation, a feast time to make offerings. And every time they would go to Shiloh, that it just got rubbed in their face how, how tough things were. Here's some of the story here in 1 Samuel. Whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah, her girl, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable, because the Lord had closed her womb. It was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than 10 sons? Now, you, you see this and you realize that this, this young lady, Hannah, is in a difficult situation. Year after year, she's in an adversarial relationship with, with a woman who is not just content to be smug about her ability to have kids. She's rubbing it in. She's provoking her. She's doing it simply to make her miserable. It's intentional. And every year, year after year, so this is an ongoing thing. And so Hannah is in an adversarial relationship with a woman who's really just hammering in just, just to get to her. And then we see a little bit about Hannah. Hannah's not what I would call a super grateful person because she had a husband that really loved her. And, and, and many people can say, you know what, it's, if, you, if you've got a spouse that loves you, well, that, that can make up a lot. And here she is, though. She, she did have a spouse that loved her and and Elkanah, he, not only did he love her, even though she couldn't have children, he didn't hold that against her. He even tried to make up for her. They would give out portions at the feast, and if everybody else got one steak, Hannah got two steaks. 
And so he, he, he realized he's hurting. He tries to compensate. But he, he looks at her and he, yeah, guys, I, this is where we come in sometimes. He's looking at her and going, hey, baby, why are you not eating? Why are you not grieving? You got me. Elkanah. <laughs> I've, I've tried that with joy. It does not work. Just don't even, don't, don't do it. And she just cried all the more, man. She's just crying. To, to her credit, though, when they were there at Shiloh, which was a place of worship, Hannah did the smart thing. She didn't run away from God. She ran to him. And she went into the, the temple and began to pray. And Eli was the priest. And here's what happens in this story. She, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. Now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I'm a woman of sorrowful spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but I poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaining grief, I've spoken until now. Eli answered and said, go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition, which you've asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. When you first see Hannah there in the, in the temple, and she's praying and pouring out her heart, you see it once again. Eli did not understand what she was going through. Listen, one thing I've noticed that's almost universal. Very few people can understand your pain. And when you go through pain, if you're looking for everybody else to really understand it, you know, there are, there are people that can, and thank God for them. But a lot of people will misunderstand it. They'll say something like, well, snap out of it. And basically, Eli sees this girl there, and she's, she's praying, but she's talking. There's no words coming out. He thinks she's drunk. He's like, girl, you need to put that wine up. And she's like, I have not been drinking wine. But listen to what she says. She said, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit, and I've been pouring out my complaint and my grief. Now, the only reason I say she's identifying with the pain is she could have said, you know, I'm a blessed woman. I've got a husband that loves me. I'm well taken care of, but I got an area that's really causing me some pain. She identified with the pain first. And she said, I, man, I'm just, I'm just hurting. I'm just so hurting. But she was, she was smart. And when Eli just looked at her, he was the priest. He represented God. He looked at her and said, go your way. May God grant you your petition. And you know, you know what Hannah did? Hannah just believed it. She just took it as a word from the Lord to her. And it changed, that word changed her whole future. She's like, this is going to, I like what Joy said this morning, this is going to turn out well. This is going to end well. And she believed that. So well, how do you know, Alice, she believed it? Because she went away and she ate and her face wasn't sad anymore. She was happy. Even though nothing had changed out here, she had a word from God and that changed in here. And so now she's, she's a happy camper. I'll, I'll finish the rest of the story. She has a baby. She names him Samuel. Samuel becomes one of the greatest prophets in Israel. He was very instrumental in King David's life. And then she not only had Samuel, she had five more, which some of you may not see as a blessing. You should have seen the looks on these parents' face. I said, anybody want five? They're all like, no, no. But it was a blessing then. And uh, she had five more, three boys, two girls. And so the, the Lord blessed her. But let's talk about you just for a second. How do we... How do we get past these painful situations in our life? And all of us have them. And they could range. Maybe you're sitting here today going, Alan, you don't, you don't know what I'm dealing with. And maybe I don't. I know the Lord does. 
but I know there's ways out. So let me give you some, just some practical ideas that if you're dealing with some painful situations, this will help you. The first one is this, be environmentally aware. Now, I'm not talking about global warming. I'm talking about aware of the environment you're in. Is it helping you or hurting you? Listen, people come into our lives, and a lot of times we find people hit two categories, intentional or insensitive. Intentional are the ones like Panina. They're just, they're just they're trying to hurt you. Maybe it's with those cuts. Maybe it's someone at work that's always got something nasty to say, always trying to put you down or hurt you. They're intentional. Then there's people who are insensitive. They're just kind of clueless. They don't know. And so they say things, and you're like, huh. I said, well, what do I do with these people? With the intentional, put as much distance as you can from them. With the insensitive, give them mercy. And with both groups, forgive them. Don't let them, don't let them hold you prisoner because of what they've done. Years ago, when, when my, Michael, my youngest, was about, oh, he was just an infant. Joy was diagnosed with acute chronic pancreatitis. Horrible thing. And as she's working through this, and huh, we thought at one time we might lose her. We had some friends in our neighborhood, Christian friends. They had a different theological belief. See, Joy and I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That the same Jesus that healed then, heals now. And so we were standing and believing that, our, that Joy could be healed. But with these friends, these Christian friends, they didn't share the same uh, doctrine, same theological beliefs. They believed that healing was gone. Now, if, if that's what you believe, fine but don't try to step on somebody else's faith. And they, this one lady kept telling Joy that that was not right and she shouldn't be believing for that and even brought her articles of people who were prayed for and died. That, that did it for me. I'm like, time out, Sparky. We're done here. And I, I said, no more does she come down in fellowship. No more do our children play together. We're done. You say, well, Alan, that's not right. That's not Christian. Oh, no, no. It's okay for, for a Christian to put up boundaries. My top priority was my wife. It was not making sure this other lady was all happy with what she believed. And so I just say, well, that's not too pastoral. Well, I wasn't a pastor then, so here we go. <laughs> but here's the deal. Here's the deal. We had to put a stop. I couldn't, I couldn't have that intentional words coming in at my wife all the time. And when we see them in the community now, I almost want to go, Ta-da, but I don't, I don't know. <laughs> that is not Christ-like, that is Alan-like. And so, that's not good. But, but with people who are intentional, as, as much as you can, don't put yourself in their path where they're constantly hurting you. But then the other one is, if you're hurting, be careful of your environment of, of comparisons. Comparison trap. I, I, I know a man who's a pastor, who's a very good pastor, who said because he would get on social media and find out what other churches were doing, and he felt so insecure, he actually quit pastoring. And so comparisons can hurt. If, if you're going through a difficult time, be careful about the environment. For example, Valentine's Day is coming up, and maybe your husband takes you out, and you all have a nice meal, and get dessert, and you're thinking, hey, that was really nice. We had a nice Valentine's Day dinner. And you come home, and you get on Facebook, and on your feed is is someone you don't even know. It's a friend of a friend of a friend that somehow got on your feet. But she went to a five-star restaurant in Houston for Valentine's Day, and her husband had them sprinkle rose petals all around her table. And then she got a beautiful piece of jewelry. You're sitting there looking at that going, 
wow, I got a blooming onion. <laughs> you, you were happy until you saw that. But the, but the challenge is, if, if you're going through a particular, I, I've, I've given counsel to people I've talked to, I said, you know what, you're going through a hurting time right now, it might be a good time to back off of anything that causes comparisons. Because there's always someone doing worse, but there's always somebody doing better. And if it makes you feel bad, so be careful of that. Here's the second thing. Uh, be willing to express gratitude. See, the whole thing about gratitude is we have two places we could focus. We could focus on what's wrong, or we could focus on the things in our life that are right. And usually, it, it's neither, it's, it's, it's rarely one, completely one or the other. In other words, there are some things wrong and they're hurtful and painful, but then there's also some things that are right. And when we focus on what's right, it highlights the things in our life that are right. It begins to minimize this. We're not saying denial, but minimize it. And you begin to highlight, hey, there are good things in my life. Paul, when he wrote the Ephesians, he wrote it from prison. But this is what he wrote, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Giving thanks always. So Paul was saying, he would write things like, rejoice always, give thanks always for all things. Gratitude is not simply a, a nice manners. It's a great way to take your focus off what's not right in your life and to focus uh, on what is. And when you focus more on that is, it begins to minimize this pain. Sometimes, you know, the challenge with pain is it screams for our attention. And so we have to intentionally say, I'm going to look away. I'm going to thank God for this. And it's, it's so it helps us appreciate the things in our life that are working right. Here's the, here's the, the third thing. Don't identify with the pain. Now, listen, all of us deal with pain in our lives. But it doesn't mean it has to be the biggest thing in our lives. In other words, hey, yeah, you might have gone through a difficult time. You may, you may really be hurting or somebody did something to you and you're just, oh, you're just, it's, it, it's painful on the inside. If you keep focusing on that it, and, and, and that's what your identity is, well, it's not going to help you because what we think about and what we talk about is what gets bigger in our life. So oftentimes people are, well, I'm just sad or I'm just, I'm just, I'm just brokenhearted or I'm just, man, I'm just so, I'm just so down. I understand that. Listen, all of, all of us have been there. But, but that's not what you want to magnify. You want to magnify that you got God in your life. And the psalmist said this in Psalms 34.3. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So in other words, I can talk about all the problems I've got or I could say, God, I am so glad you're in my life. You are bigger than anything in my life. You're the biggest thing in my windshield and I am looking to you for your help. And what, say what, Alan, is that denial? It's not denial, it's focus. We live in a world that labels. And just, man, and some of the labels aren't good. Pretty, ugly, dumb, smart. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're just a loser. Hard labels. There was a, a friend of ours. She's a, a real beautiful African-American lady named Deborah. And she's a, she's a real pistol, man. She, she's church lady. She calls Joy the first lady. I'm like, whoa, don't, don't, don't let that go to her head now, please. Uh, <laughs> But she, she was telling us one day, we were, we were talking with her, and she was telling us about her mother. Her mother was named Unita, grew up in the South. And Unita, it's probably in the, in the late 40s, 50s. Unita was walking down a street after school one day, and a whole busload full of, of kids passed, white kids. And they saw Unita, and they began to yell out the bus and call her the N-word. 
And they did it repeatedly. And little old Unita, she's just a little girl. She runs home crying. She runs in to her mama crying, and, and Deborah said her grandma was a tough lady. And so she's, she's like, mama, mama, they, they call me the N-word. They call me the N-word. <laughs> her mama looked at her and said, Unita, is that your name? She said, no, ma'am. She said, is that your name? She said, Unita said, no, ma'am. Mama said, well, then they're not talking to you. I thought, boy, there's some truth there. there there's, there's some good things. Now, now here's, here's, here's my, want my parenting tip for the day. Here's my parenting tip. Say, Alan, are you giving us parenting tips because you're the perfect parent? No. <laughs> I'm giving parenting tips because it's, off, it, it's easier to parent when you look back and see things that you wish you'd done. So let me help you with that. Give your children labels they can live with. So easy to, to label our kids, oh, you're so smart, oh, you're so pretty, oh, you're so strong, oh, you're so handsome. No, nothing particularly wrong with that except this. You'll always find somebody smarter, prettier, stronger. And sometimes I, my daughter, I have, I have one daughter, and I used to tell her, sweetheart, you, you're beautiful. And she used to look back at me and go, yeah, you're just saying that because you're my dad. And, and, and they'll, they'll refute, refute you on that. Now, my daughter, my daughter is, she's gorgeous, but that's my opinion on that. She's a pretty girl. But if she didn't see herself that way. And so if you, can, if you can give your children a different label, praise the character. Oh, I really appreciate how you did that. That was so kind of you. I really liked how you're so unselfish with your brother and sister. That's, that's really good. You're, you're starting to praise character. Man, I tell you what, you faced a tough time, but you didn't quit. I love that persistence in you. See, what you're doing is praising character. Skills and talents and things, they're good, but many of us know, we know smart, talented people who are not successful. It's the character things in life that are going to push us through. The hard work, the diligence, the willingness to, to sacrifice, all of these things, if you praise those, then you're giving your children labels they can hang on to and labels that will make them successful for the long term. Don't just tell them they're pretty. Tell them they're good and they're kind. And tell them the character you want to see in them. Here's the last one as we, as we talk about this. Listen, is, is learn just to, to take God's word as the last word. I talk to people and you can tell that they've been hurt by words. I don't know whoever came up with that idea that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That was, that's, that's jacked up. Because people, people mend from sticks and stones. But they keep words for a long, long time. And many of you, I'm thinking, you could, if I said, think back to a time when someone said something unkind to you, many of you, it can come straight up in your memory. The thing is, don't let, don't let their words be the last word in your life. Let God's words be the last word in your life. And if you'll do that, what you'll, what you'll find is it can bring healing. Listen, we, we believe God's word for our salvation. Why don't we believe his word for our healing and our restoration as well. In Proverbs, the, uh, the fourth chapter, there's, here's, here's a great remedy for, for getting help. My son, attend to my words, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart for their life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. That word health in many translations reads, it's medicine. Realize, we realize that God's word is spiritual 
but it works like medicine in us. Now, if you've ever taken medicine or antibiotics, you had a doctor say, well, I know you've got this, this, this situation here. Take this. You know, you'll need to take it early in the morning and you'll need to get up at 12 o'clock and take it late at night. I don't even know all of us would do that. We're like, okay, we're going to set our clock. We're going to get up because we believe if we take that medicine, it will help us. And we'll do exactly what the doctor said. Boy, this is the best prescription you could find. You could begin to elevate God's word in your life and God's word will elevate you. And you begin to get a hold of what he says about you and his belief in you, his love for you. And it'll make a difference. Over the years, Joy and I have noticed, and you're married for 38 years, I promise you, you're going to take some dings in life. There are going to be some hurtful things and things that have taken place. What we've found is that over the years, the, some of the biggest help in healing has come from God's Word. And that God's Word has been a, 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 just a word to us. A number of years ago, when, when our daughter was going through a difficult time, and I remember that my wife was just distraught about it. She and Christine are very, very close. And one night before we went to bed, I just turned to her. I said, you know, I got a, I got a scripture today and I just want to share it with you. I said, it was found in Psalms. It said, God raises up those who are bowed down. It's a simple scripture, but Joy took it just like Hannah took it as a word from the Lord to her. And She hung on to that. And we've seen God raise up our daughter and we've seen heal the hurt that Joy and I dealt with as we dealt with her pain. It's healing words. His word can help you. This morning or this afternoon, I guess now, if you're here and you're saying, you know, I, 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 you don't understand the pain I've been through. I got, I got you. I feel you. Some of you have been through some horrible things. Some of you may be going through horrible things right now. Here, here's what I, I can say. I can say there is someone who does know and someone who does care and someone who does help. And if you'll, if you'll let me use the analogy, it's like that yellow construction paper coming under the door. And it says, from God to you. I love you, even though you're hurting. You bow your heads with me for a moment. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and I'm just going to ask, please no one move around or leave. As, as just out of respect for the Lord and the people around you. This morning, if you're here and say, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, and I know it, and he knows it but I, I, I really want that or I want to be sure of that. Or you're here and you say, I used to have a relationship with the Lord. I've made him the Lord and Savior of my life, but I walked away from him and I, I don't want to be there anymore. I want to be with the one who, who loves me, who heals me, who comforts me and who has a wonderful plan for me. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around. If that's you that I'm talking to and you would like our prayers, we're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come to the front, but this prayer is for you. And if you want in on this, I just need you to do the very courageous thing and say, Alan, that's me you're talking to. Just shoot your hand up real quick across this auditorium and say, Alan, would you pray for me? I, I want to come back to the Lord or I want to make sure he's in my life for the very first time. Thank you. Because I see those hands up all over. Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you for your courage Thank you. and your humility. Yeah, got you. All the way in the back in the, and in the front. Wonderful. You can put your hands down. Now, if you didn't lift your hand and you really wanted to, let me up. Let me encourage you. This is, a, this is a heart decision. God sees hands. He acknowledges those, but he also sees your heart. We're going to pray this prayer out loud. You pray it with us, just straight out of your heart. We're going to, I'll, I'll lead you in it, but we, we pray it together. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. God raised you from the dead.
right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.